It's April 2016. We love movies. Therefore, we will talk about them. It's myself. It's Eric Schoenerweiss. It's past the corn on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. Regardless of what that one internet reviewer said, we are a safe place to geek out. We're not a bastion of negativity. We're a bastion of positivity. And if we disagree, we disagree, and that's fine. That's fine. It's okay to disagree. We don't have to all love the same things, like the same things. No sense in hating on someone for hating on something. Jeez. Maybe I take it too personal. Yes, I do take it too personal, but it's no big deal. To talk me down, to talk some movies, to have a good time, ladies and gentlemen, we got to go ahead and bring him in. All the way from up the East Coast, he's one half of the crew from Mile High Tundra, and he is my brother from another mother. Ladies and gentlemen, Erish Chernovice. What's happening, Erish? This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. I rebel. That's what I do. It's, What's up, Steve? How's it going, man? Good. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I am. Uh, I I am recovering from a few things, not the least of which was this one, the first one star iTunes review Geek Out Loud has had in years. Sorry about that. Well, it's not your fault unless you left it. I left it. Oh, okay. Well, I was testing you. So, well, I failed. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. We've got so many like four and five star reviews and just have had for so many years. And it's like, I think that Geek Out Loud is probably one of the most well-reviewed podcasts on iTunes. Just Because per- it's one of the best podcasts well, on iTunes. I appreciate it. But I, just in percentage-wise, it has to be. And it's so funny with all the stuff, all the good things people say, it's like the one negative one that sticks out. And what was this neg- What did this negative reviewer have to say? Basically said that the show has gone downhill. Uh, because uh, of the host's negativity. Mm. And well, that's not your fault. That's DC's fault. Well, <laughs> I blame DC. I Put blame... out a good DC superhero movie, and the show won't be negative. I blame J.J. Abrams. Uh, you know, just well, and you hate Star Wars. That's right. Ever since, yeah, ever since December, I've hated Star Wars. This was uh, this podcast has gone downhill with negative commentary. I mean, I could tune in every week to listen to a guy who doesn't seem to like anything, but that's not really fun. Well, maybe you just need to change the name of the show to Hate Out Loud. Hate Out Loud, yeah, exactly. You want to talk about getting listeners hated in? Hated it. I <laughs> hated it. Um, look, all I like to do. Is is just give my honest opinion about things. Generally, I try to celebrate what I love, and and get excited about things, or you know, get pumped about things. And and sometimes things let me down. And so Look, I just when the whole country is drinking the Kool Aid on a movie like Batman versus Superman, there has to be a voice of reason, right? Are they? Are they though? 
I don't know, man. Uh, I, yeah. Let, let, we're, we're, you, you covered the hate on this movie yeah. fine the other night. Well, thank so. you. Thank you. I tried to be fair. I, tried I do. To... I am really concerned about your hatred for Star Wars of late. Look, I don't hate Star Wars. <laughs> You know, I texted you like right after the Rogue One trailer yeah, premiere. Yeah. I was like mad, pu- pumped, and psyched. I watched <laughs> oh, it like no. eleventy-two times. I brought you down, and you're just like, it looks like like a fan fiction movie, yeah. <laughs> like like if somebody just took the best parts of the original trilogy and pasted them together. That's right. <laughs> that I didn't say it in and that like, voice. Completely I... <laughs> killed my buzz. <laughs> oh no! See, that's what I don't want to do. Just like he hated the Force Awakens, mm. now he's hating on the Rogue One trailer. <laughs> what does this guy need to love Star Wars again? I don't. I don't want to. That's my thing. Is I'm so. I don't want to kill anyone's buzz, and I think it's great that people are loving Batman v Superman on one level, and I think it's great that people are excited about Rogue One. I I learned to love the Force Awakens. I've really. I've watched it like three times. You know. Since it came out on video, and I saw it in the theater like seven times for crying out loud. Um, so yeah, I came around on it after the first two two viewings or so, and really just kind of found my heart for it. But wrote and and listen, if you listen to the last geek out loud, I did, and it sounded like you started to come around. Yeah, the more I the watched, more the, you talked about that's it. That's right. The more, the more you seemed to like. <laughs> that's right. The more I watched the trailer, I talked myself into loving it. So I'm excited so for th- Rogue I One. I think what you need to do when the next Star Wars trailer comes out, yeah, is before you talk to anybody else about it, you need to just lock yourself in a closet and talk to yourself about okay, it that's for right. about two just, and a half hours. Just talk myself through it for me. Yeah, and then you, and then come out of the closet <laughs> and you'll. And then I can just get online and be like, guys, this is amazing. Yes. I mean, in all fairness, dude, we really put over that last Force Awakens trailer that we all watched live on ESPN. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, look, I I don't know. I feel like some days, Erish, I feel like I'm becoming a grumpy old man. Well, and, I'm already a grumpy old well, man. Well, and see... Join the club, my You know, brother. it's like I'm tired of fighting against it. I, 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 re- I get tired. Part of it is this. I need to stay off of... It's a, The social media is a two-edged sword because on one hand, apparently I've got to stay on social media to promote everything. But on the other hand, like already this Mark Hamill on Daisy Ridley's back joke has been getting run into the ground. It's just become a wretched hive of scum and villains. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we must be cautious. And even the day that the Rogue One trailer came out, it was like euphoria for like an hour, and then it was all the... I don't even know how to describe it. The moronic fanboys who are angry because it's a female hero. And see, I don't... It's like, come on! I don't get that. When I'm watching it, it never bothered me that there's a female... Like, I never... it. That's one of those things that just never crosses my mind, for the good or the bad. I'm just like... Cool. That looks cool. She looked That's, freaking awesome. She did. And she, and like, I, totally badass. And, you know, I quoted her line at the beginning. This yeah. is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. I rebel. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool. I love seeing the walkers. I love seeing the whole thing. I just, you I know. I love your reaction when you realized that she was wearing a TIE Pilots outfit right? at the end. Right? Right. That's and just awesome. as you realized that that's what it was and just got so excited. Exactly. <laughs> 
I was. I was so how pumped can, up. Like, how can you not be excited about that? It, who cares if it's a woman? Who cares if it's a guy? It could be freaking Moffat from Battlestar Galactica. I don't care. It was a new Star Wars trailer. Oh, listen, if you throw Moffat from Battlestar Galactica in there, that would be awesome. Just take my money. Yeah, but like the whole rest of that day was, you know, then it was everybody who was trying to put down the few idiot fanboys who were angry with it in the beginning. Yeah, we got to learn to ignore. It just sucked all the fun out yeah. of what was an awesome morning. Yeah, you got to learn to ignore. Because I don't, I, th- I don't think that's a majority mindset. And I don't think many people are thinking, oh, another female character. I think people are thinking, oh, another Star Wars movie. Yeah, I think that Star Wars transcends those kinds of things, and when hey. we and I feel like when we pull it, when we pull Star Wars down to that level of conversation, then we're kind of ru- you're. I mean, you're right. You ruin the fun of Star Wars. And look, I completely get it that for fangirls out there, this is amazing. Sure, you know, this is two Star Wars movies in a row now that they're going to get an awesome female protagonist in it. I get it. I loved it. They're all excited about it. We don't need the idiot knuckleheads like crying about it. You know, well, my, it's, my thing is, is what's there? I to mean, com- the idiot knucklehead fanboys. Well, my thing is, is what's there to complain about? It's yeah, more Star I, Wars. They're on freaking Yavin base for crying out loud. Mon Mothma's there. I'm sure that General Dodonna will show up. No. Oh, come on. I don't think he will. Why? He was he, He's a hack. He's not that important. He's not a hack and he has an amazing beard. <laughs> this is what this is this is how I was poking the bear when Steve and I were texting each other. <laughs> like he's a hack. It's like, not important. It's, he's like he stayed behind. The Death Star was coming and he stayed behind him. Like that's cuz he was expendable. Oh, so was Leia apparently. Yeah, yeah, but anyhow, uh, but dude, Genevieve O'Reilly, who plays Mon Mothma, and, and it was pointed out to me I on the show. I love that, that it's the woman who played her in episode three. So do I. Hot. So do I. But she sounded just like Mon Mothma, yeah. you know. But the cool thing is, too, like in real life and movie years, they're almost the same. So that actress has aged properly mm-hmm. to where this is. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's so much cool stuff. Adats on a freaking beach. Yes, yeah, I'm with. I, you. W- I want a vacation on that beach. <laughs> well, I mean, they're if they're just chilling, yeah. But if they're blowing things up, I don't know that I want a vacation I there. Be there when they're blowing things up. I don't. <laughs> I'm a little bit too much of a chicken for that, I guess. <laughs> Can't really run that fast. So, speaking of running. Yeah, are you running this weekend, my well, friend? Well, yeah, I'm, I'll be there, and we're going to do it. And and my, it's so funny to hear my friend and I just kind of, uh, because my training has fallen apart completely. Are you running with Josh? No, well, I, I haven't talked to him. I need to, I need to catch up with him and, and make sure he's still going to be there. Um, so, Josh, get in touch with me. Uh, but I've got a friend here from, from Hazelhurst that's going with me. And he sent me the map today. He's like, we can do this. It's just getting through the park in 45 minutes. I'm like, okay, yeah, I think we can do that, you know. And um, and I said, now we may have to run a little bit at the end of each K, you know, all five of them. But we, I think we can do this. I think we can do it. Because there is a time allotment you got to make. And, right. And so, um, yeah, so I just, every, I just stopped training like I needed to and, and just kind of gave up on life in general. I'm a, I, I've got to get, 
my my life. I got to get myself straightened out. I need to have a come to Jesus meeting with myself or somebody. But um, but yeah, so we'll be down there, and I'll be doing some podcasting from down in the Disney area. I know that Skywalking Through Neverland will be there, as well as Trisha Barr. They're having a bit of a meetup uh, yeah, down that Sunday, way, I believe. So I'm going to try to get around to where they're having the meetup and say hello and everything. Um, you know, but generally, I, after the after the five K, I told my friend he he and his wife are bringing their two kids, and we're going to have a good time. But I said, y'all have fun at the park. I'm going to chill by the pool. Uh, so looking forward to seeing uh, also a good friend down there, Michael Arbolino, who is uh, who who works at the Hilton down there and uh, and is a great friend of the show and. I uh, got to hang out with them at uh, Disney Star Wars weekends last year. So, are the Blanton uh, kids going? Not that I know of. I hadn't I hadn't heard from them to know that they're going. I think they're in the middle of school. So, with school going on, it's hard to uh, got to get their learning on. That's right. That's right. Well, Eric, we got well, say say hello to friends for me. I sure will. I sure I will. I wanted to go, but you know, work and the, stuff. The Delray team decided to schedule our big yearly. Powwow. Yep. Well, so couldn't make it. Well, we, you know, you guys need to do that. You got a year to plan. You got cons coming up, all kinds of stuff going on. It's funny. We're actually planning like a few years out. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's the way it works. So. Well, well, I need to get into that kind of life. Yeah. We already have this year planned. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. Well, dude, let's, uh, we got a lot to cover, but there are a few emails I want to run by you. And emails. Yeah, All right. let's jump into them. All right, we've got a few here, and uh, so many people have been uh, emailing in. Matt and Mark sent sent us this to DVT to Disney Vault Talk, but. He says, now the Rebel Yell is over, the Rebel Yell season is over, uh, it might make more sense to read on goal. He says, uh, I suppose you won't have any more Rebel Yell episodes in a while, but I want to give you some feedback on the finale. In terms of Ahsoka's fate, when I first watched the episode, I read it as Ahsoka dying. She sacrificed herself to allow her friends to escape, just like Ben Kenobi. As Kanan and Ezra returned to the base and the choral version of Ahsoka's theme swelled, I was mourning her loss. Ezra made eye contact with Rex and I started to tear up. That was it. She was gone. Then we get the montage. Vader walks away. The symbolic, maybe? Owl flies overhead, and we look into the temple. I was wondering if we would see her body or see that she was alive, but as Erish pointed out, everything was hard to see, and suddenly we're aboard the ghost. So I almost forgot completely that we'd even seen Ahsoka there in the darkness. It wasn't until reading some comments on the RFR Facebook group, particularly Teresa's comment, that I remembered seeing her. So I went back to the end of the episode to try to look closer. Of course, this meant I had to watch Rex's reaction again, more tears. And sure enough, Ahsoka was walking down into the temple. So what does that mean? She's alive? Why is she going to the temple? Don't you have to use the dark side to get anywhere in there? Why does she hope to what does she hope to accomplish? I never really understood why you'd have to go to a Sith temple to learn how to beat Inquisitors, but I get the sense from Filoni that we probably won't see Ahsoka again in Rebels. So what is she doing in the temple? Learning the ways of the dark side? Oh no, guys. Ahsoka? Just kidding. But when will we see Ahsoka again in some book, the novel that's been announced as before, Rebels? If the rumors are true about Lucasfilm Animation moving on from Rebels after Season 3 to another animated Star Wars show taking place between Jedi and The Force Awakens, she could show up there. Is Dave just saving Ahsoka to show up in every project he works on? So for now, I'm going to interpret this 
the way the other characters did. They experienced Ahsoka's death. So to me, she died. Teresa, I know that if you said that if she was supposed to be, the, if it was supposed to be your death, then it wasn't well done. But to me, it was. She sacrificed herself. We didn't see her death, but we saw how it affected everyone else. And if she shows up in the future, then I'll be extremely happy. And unlike Maul, I won't have to wonder how she survived. That's the benefit of an ambiguous ending, I guess. Because Maul's original death was designed to be the opposite of ambiguous. Lucas wanted it clear that Maul was dead. Okay, all done rambling now. May the force be with you. And that's from Matt Marks. Uh, now, Eris, this is one thing that, <clears throat> because of like Rebel Force Radio and everything, uh, I've been hearing a lot of different reactions and talk about the, the fate of Ahsoka in Rebels. And we talked about this on Rebel Yell a little bit, but Dave Filoni, since hearing some of his comments, I'm kind of thinking the way that uh, that Matt had mentioned is is that because Filoni said her story in Rebels is over, and that's what he's made clear: her story in Rebels is over. And there have been rumors of a future animated series and everything. And I'm just wondering if we won't see her show up and interact with some orig actual original trilogy characters down the way. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd i be fine with that. I don't understand why she's staying at that temple. I mean, look, for all we know, she could be part of whatever Luke had going on after Return of the Jedi. Oh, take my money. What do you I mean, we don't know anything about right. that yet. Right. So. Right, so no, wouldn't that be cool? I think it'd be amazing. I think it would be amazing for her to somehow come out of there and, you know, just like, or or that be some some of what Luke has to do is actually go free her from whatever's holding her there, or whatever the case may be. I think it'd be I think it'd be amazing to see her show up again. Um, I think that that staircase that she was walking down actually went down into the sewers and she's going to meet up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and teach them more ninja activities That's so right. they're ready to fight Bebop and Rocksteady oh. and TMNT the Deuce. I got to tell you something. I, I didn't see the first one, but when I saw Bebop and Rocksteady in that trailer, I was like, I'm there. Well, did you see the new trailer? No. There's a new trailer, and it shows even more Bebop and Rocksteady. It Shut like shows up. how they became them. Maybe I have seen that. It just and it has and it shows a lot of Stephen Amell in there, doesn't it? Is Casey yeah, Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Casey Jones. Yeah, I have seen that one. Yeah. yeah. He's oh, like I'm a little piggy. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm. You know, I. Look, I, I think it's if this truly was the last that we saw of Ahsoka on Rebels, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. This wasn't her show. Rebels is about our ghost crew. That's right. And what and as as solid as season two was, at times I felt it got their story got hijacked by Rex and Vader and Inquisitors and Ahsoka and all this other stuff that was going on. Well, I feel like Vader's still going to be out there as a threat. Of course he is. I think he is too, and I and I love him as a threat, but I want to see him as a threat to the ghost crew. Right. And I, I want this to be their story. I want we didn't we were sadly lacking in Hera stuff this year. Agreed. Um aside from being the commander of the worst squadron in the rebellion, <laughs> Phoenix Squadron. Yeah, but they always come back. No, they don't come back. The there's no resurrection. Uh -huh. 
I've been so transferred I'm, I'm to Phoenix to... Squadron. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. To see more of them. That ghost ship is really cool. I'm I'm being transferred under Harris leadership in Phoenix. Oh man, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Uh yeah, no. Don't you have a job working on moisture evaporators? Yeah, or maybe. You should, like yeah, that? maybe you should go do that. Um, I look. I agree with you. I think it's a great ending, and I do think that. You know, we had 13 episodes in season one with these characters, and there was so much more we wanted to get to know about them yeah. and get to know them this past season. And, and yeah, unfortunately, even though it was great to see Rex and Ahsoka and all this stuff and 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 the, and the story shifting in that direction with Ahsoka and Vader particularly, it did take away the opportunity to spend time with these characters that we really came to love in that first season. So hopefully we'll get back to a little bit more of that in season three. Um, did you hear what Filoni said about Rex, though? No. Oh, about Return of the Jedi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, where he where he's starting to believe that it's the that the old guy on Endor is Rex. Is yeah. the old rebel on Endor is Rex. Yeah. yeah. I'll take that. I think it's cool. I'll take that. Um Scott Masters, the masterpiece. Says, uh, hey, Steve, I'm listening to your take on Batman v Superman. I thought I would provide my own. I just saw it this past weekend. Let me start by saying this. I do not like the world that has been created by these two movies. There is no joy. They're too dark, too violent. I was six years old when Superman the movie was released, and I wanted to be Superman ever since. My love for superheroes and comic characters can probably be traced back to this event. The fact that I can't take my seven-year-old son to see a Superman movie pains me. I know others have taken their kids, but this movie is way too violent for my son. On a positive note, my son will grow up being a Flash and Supergirl fan thanks to DC's television programs. With all that being said, when I put my biases aside and accept the universe that has been created for these DC movies, I really enjoyed Batman v Superman. Or should I say the two-part crossover event? The first half was a Batman movie guest-starring Superman, and then it turned into a Superman movie with guests Batman and Wonder Woman. The two were separated by a commercial for the new Justice League movie via Wonder Woman looking at videos. <laughs> There were definitely some problems with the movie. The pacing was really off. I kept thinking, hurry up, during the first 30 minutes when they were setting up all the characters. At the same time, there were some really cool moments. I had no clue that the... Spoiler alert, guys, that the death of Superman would be in it. Although, considering Doomsday was in the trailers, I should have known. I think in the end, I went into the movie with low expectations and actually had a good time. Now, how will they bring him back? Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the comics give Superman an afterlife experience and Jonathan convinced him to come back and poof, he was alive? Considering we've already seen the Flash travel back in time, will they somehow change the time in the Justice League movie to undo Superman's death? The Flash kept saying Lois was the key. She had the spear. She was with Superman just before he died. My guess is that Aquaman will come swimming out of the water with the spear and kill Doomsday. And that's from Scott Masters. Um, there's a lot to kind of go over here. I think that he is... Uh, so wait, he's suggesting that they're going to bring Superman back to life by time traveling back to the doomsday fight. Right. With Lois being the key. Don't make us watch that again. (laughs) Here's, here's what I think. And and this is what everyone else is. And and I'm not familiar enough with the injustice storyline. Um, or the, the, what is it? The, is look, it injustice? Let, let, let's be honest. The truth of the matter is, whatever convoluted idea they come up with to bring Superman back to life isn't going to make any any more sense than anything else that happened in this movie. <laughs> it's just he's going to be alive again, and let's just leave it at that. Right. Well, look, 
I will say this, and 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 I've said this before, um, and I and and I hope you're not going to disagree with me. But if you do, that's fine because we're still friends. Um, Superman the, is Snoke. The yes, yeah, Superman is Snoke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, that's perfect. That's I mean, suddenly, suddenly, somehow Disney got their hands in the DC pot too. Um, no, back in the day, and and it was nothing but a publicity stunt cash grab kind of thing to kill superman back in 92 mm-hmm. um but the creators uh, you know who who worked on those comics came together and told a fantastic story um you know the whole doomsday coming and taking out the justice league and then each issue with the superman doomsday fight the panels got fewer and fewer panels yes until it was just that final one was just a splash page after page was just the one panel and you felt every hit and you felt everything and then at the end that fold out cover with you know lois cradling superman and just in tears and and that iconic you know uh picture of this of the cape you know billowing in the wind hung up on a piece of debris and um and it killed the comic book industry (laughs) Well, in a way, sure, it was part of it. I mean, look, let's 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 be fair, because they printed millions of copies, and all of us are like, we got to buy five copies each because it's going to be collectible and valuable one day. Well, let's be fair though; they also did that with X Men number one. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of stuff around that time. But what followed in the return of Superman, and in, in the you know with with his return and everything. Was the four different? Was the four different Superman, and it's just a. It is really a very compelling story arc because the yeah. whole thing ends with Mongol, the villain, trying to turn Earth into a war world in the midst of all this. How Jordan Coast City is destroyed, and how Jordan goes nuts. Um, it, it was just. It was all encompassing, and Superman goes. The real Superman comes back. He's he doesn't have his powers yet. All, all back to full speed. But he still goes into the thick of battle to face down Mongol to stop him from basically destroying Earth, and it's just this incredible story from start to finish. And that in the in the one that uh, Scott brings up, there's a moment where Jonathan Kent has died, and when if you want to see what makes comic books powerful, read the death of Superman and read the reaction of Jonathan and Martha Kent when they go and just bury some of his belongings out in a field because. The world got to bury Superman, but Jonathan and Martha didn't get to bury their son. And and there was no funeral. There was no, you know, he didn't get pulled along by a horse and buggy with bagpipes leading the way. Um, but it's so heartbreaking. And Jonathan Kent, in the midst of it all, because of the stress and everything, he dies. And he does, as he's crossing over, he meets up with Superman. He meets up with Clark and they have a conversation and it's basically, Jonathan says the world still needs you. If you can go back, you need to. And it's not the whole reason Superman comes back, but it's kind of the spiritual side of things in that comic for, you know, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And it's just so well done. It was so well done. And, and the, the whole death of Superman to me was so well done, regardless of what the cash grab was, regardless of the business, from a creative standpoint and from an art standpoint, from a standpoint of art and storytelling, fantastically well done. Um, 
And that's why it kind of bothers me that it's just kind of shoehorned into the end of this movie. I know they have an overall plan. I know they've got everything they need. But the, this... Uh, I really didn't want to talk about this I movie. know, and I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, well, you didn't bring it up. Uh, the guy who wrote the Yeah, I blame Scott. It. Scott. Scott, it's your fault. This is all your fault, Scott. Um, why kill Superman if you're just instantly going to bring him back to life? There's no, like, did anybody in that theater actually believe that Superman was dead? No. So why do it? It's just silly. I mean, in Star Trek II, when Spock dies, it was monumental because we all truly believed that Spock was dead. Yeah. You know, he sacrificed himself. The needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, I think you got that backwards here. Yeah. <laughs> The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Yeah. Sorry. Um, there wasn't that in this. First up, Superman didn't need to carry the spear. Wonder Woman could have done that. I'm, so, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that, obviously, listen, they've been wanting to do the death of Superman for a while. now. They just did it two movies right, ago. Right, right. In a way. It's like Superman's dead. We know that he gets his power from the sun, so let's put him in a hospital room with all the shades closed. <laughs> he would have healed faster if they had just left him in the crater in the middle of Central Park. Yeah, now listen, let's not start dogging on Superman Returns. Oh, that movie was horrible. I love that movie. That's where we're going to disagree on some stuff. I, <sighs> I really do like Superman Returns. Um, he couldn't have taken five minutes to tell Lois that we found remnants of my home planet. I'm going to go off to investigate it. I don't know when I'm going to be back. He would, but if he'd done that, no, he would have he stayed. Did. He said, and he then he stayed. comes back and he stalks her. Yeah. I listen, I have my problems with the movie, but I like it. I like it more than I like Batman v Superman or man of steel. Um, and anyhow, listen, yeah, look, I just, you're getting fired up. Uh, you, you need, I know you don't need to get hot about it. My, my biggest problem with bvs was there is no earth in the multiverse in which superman slash kal-el allows them to keep zod's body and to keep his ship mm -hmm. it just does not right. happen right especially an earth that is so mistrustful of him mm-hmm questioning him why allow okay zod's body aside why allow them to keep your ship and why allow your ship to just stay in the middle of metropolis for two years yep hey same it's thing. just ridiculous at least go in and take your little key thing out so they can't <laughs> access the whole history of krypton and like everything you need to know to figure out how to defeat you and see i've got to go back and um I've I've got to go back and and watch Man of Steel because I thought that whole thing was destroyed. The key thing I thought that the whole thing got messed up to where it wasn't going to work anymore. Wow, that was my understanding. So there's some confusion there. But I want to address what he said at the end of his email here, um, and and I need to make clear that I'm not saying the studio was making a 
cash grab to do the death of Superman. They've wanted to do that for a while. They've wanted to have, I mean, ever since back in the 90s, they've wanted to do death of Superman. Everything about this movie was cash grab. What I'm talking about, and that's fine. I mean, it's show business. I mean, that's what these summer movies right. are. I don't have a Marvel, problem. Star right. Wars, whatever. I don't have a problem with that. What I was talking about was the death of Superman storyline. The comic book was, was in the comics in 1992, was let's sell as many books as we can. This is going to be an event that'll do it. But it was done so well, you know. Artistically, it was done super, super well. I'm not, I'm not criticizing using that story arc at all. I'm saying my criticism comes from I wish it hadn't been shoehorned in. I wish it hadn't have been part of this movie. I wish. Does that mean we're going to get Shaquille O'Neal as Steel again? That's what I'm hoping. That is what I'm hoping. Um, I even said, "Oh man, that'd be terrible." I used to play basketball with Shaq. I used to play back, and now he's out there wrestling the big show on WrestleMania. Terrible. It's terrible. Um, but I want to, when he talks about the Flash coming back in time and talking about Lois is the key, I, a lot of people have been saying they think they're going to do the M. Justice, God is Among Us storyline, which is, and I know it was well written, I know it was great, but from my taste and my personality and my love of Superman, no. The whole premise of that is Superman goes crazy and becomes like the, the supervillain. Yeah. And I don't want that. Superman shouldn't be a supervillain. Um, it worked for for a video game, you know, but I just, you know, so I, that's what a lot of people are saying. I don't think we're going to see Flash time travel like we see on the Flash TV show in this where they go back to change, to undo things um, to that extreme. And I will say this. I think he makes a great point. He says his seven-year-old son's going to grow up being a fan of Flash and Supergirl thanks to DC's yeah. television program. I love The Flash on TV. It's it's one of my favorite shows on television right now. Even their weakest episodes are so good. The, la the last few episodes this season haven't been the best, but it, I do love it. And, well, uh, and I love Supergirl, dude. The Supergirl Flash crossover was one of the greatest things ever. It was, I mean, yeah. it was so sweet and cute, but also just fun and great. And you had Livewire and Silver Banshee teaming up for crying out loud. It was just so cool. And it's just like if that this stuff is doing good, this stuff is doing well. Um, but at the same time. If if it's doing well on TV, why I don't I don't understand well, the tone Supergirl, they take with the movies. Supergirl, we're not quite sure of. Well, they got picked up for season two. I understand. Did they? I think so. I haven't seen that yet. And they had such I hope a. Has, but their numbers, they, the season premiere was strong, but the numbers right, have been started falling to fall off since. Well, and they got a huge bump with the Flash crossover. That's what they were hoping yeah, for. Yeah. Um. But I'm just saying that that tone and that style, to me, is what comic book properties should be when that when it's appropriate for certain it's characters. It's what these and everything. DC movies are missing. Yeah, I agree. I and and it's unfortunate. You know, I I said on the last episode, and we're, we're going to move on from this. I, I said on the last episode, I should be the easiest sucker in the world to make love a Batman Superman movie, mm -hmm. and and I just didn't love it. And I think that's the most disappointing and telling thing about. You know that that situation. Uh, I have one more here that's about the aforementioned Rogue One, and it's from Daniel McFadden, and um, and he says uh, he's just he's trying to speculate a little bit here, 
and Erish, if you need to if you need to tap out of this conversation, that's fine. Um, he says we won't know how much, if any, overlap there will be between Rogue One and New Hope until December sixteenth. But was curious uh, how you would choose to end Rogue One. Uh, I have three ideas rattling around my head. One is simply a shot of Vader's star destroyer chasing the Tantive Four out of orbit over whatever plans the Death Star, uh, whatever planet the Death Star plans were on. It basically recreates the opening of the first shot of New Hope with the Rebel blockade runner passing overhead followed by the starter stories they jump to hyperspace queue credits. The second one overlaps with episode four. Jen wakes up in the infirmary in the rebel base on Yavin 4. She's injured from the mission to steal the plans, which she barely survived with Diego Luna's character, who, until it said otherwise, he says, I believe is Biggs Darklighter. This is Daniel saying that. Uh, she wakes up. There are no doctors or nurses attending to her. This is because the entire base is silently listening to the Battle of Yavin play out through red and gold squadrons radio communications over the base's PA system. Tensions build during a montage of different rebels listening as they hear pilot after pilot meet their end. We hear Luke start his trench run. Uh, if Diego is playing bigs, his death will be a powerful moment for Jen. We hear hands swoop in at the last minute and right before the Death Star explodes, the screen cuts to black. Or Jen could wake up to the base already celebrating euphoria to the Death Star's destruction. She could be present in the medal ceremony as Luke can and Chewie get the medals for something she made possible. Anyway, I can't wait till December 16th, and I look forward to hearing your own predictions about how Rogue One will play out. I don't think there's going to be even that much overlap to it. Um, the uh, <laughs> Daniel Lenny says, how about it starts with them fleeing giant words flying through space? Um, I, I, you know, the, several transmissions were beamed to this ship from Rebel Spies, so they weren't necessarily on planet or at the planet where the, where the plans are stolen from. Uh, the rebel spies beam them to, you know, transmit them via the, what is it, subs, what is, what do they call it, the, the hollow net or whatever in the Star Wars universe? Yes. Um, so they beam those to Leia and, and they, and they track Leia down with them. But, uh, so I don't know. I don't know that there's going to be that much overlay, except for the fact that this whole movie is an overlap of a few sentences in the opening crawl, uh, or if that, of, uh, of episode four. And um, look, it's got to add ads on the beach. Who, That's all we need. Who cares how it ends? <laughs> That's all we need. Add ads on the beach and a dude with a cool cape. Um. So, real quickly, just to go back. Um, the uh, apparently they're planning on renewing all the new shows from this year. On CBS, oh, according good. to Andy. Yeah, so thanks, Andy, in the chat. Who's good. mad at us because good. we don't like Batman v Superman. And Andy, so are people who apparently leave one-star reviews on iTunes. <laughs> uh, look, and here's the thing. I want, Let me just say one more thing, and then we're going to pass the corn, Ayers. All right. I love the fact that people are digging Batman v Superman on the level that it's nice to hear people excited about something that Superman's a part of. Because I love Superman. Superman's my favorite superhero of all time. Um, what, what bothers me is the just acceptance of, of, of the universe. And, you know, and Scott's whole point was once he kind of got used to, this is what the universe is going to be. He enjoyed the movie. So I'm just having a hard time reconciling that universe with, mm -hmm. with me. So, and, um, and apparently we're hypocrites because we like, we're looking forward to Captain America or whatever. So, which I'm sorry, I don't know that makes me a hypocrite, but. Oh, well. All right, enough with hate out loud. That's right. Let's pass the corn. Well, you want to talk about the
the core. I'm sorry, Irish, I cut you off there. I was just, you know, we've got some Marvel stuff to discuss. I wasn't sure if you wanted to do that before <laughs> or make it officially part of Pass the Corn. But since we're passing the corn, let's talk the, uh, the Doctor Strange trailer. What did you think? Oh, man, I am incredibly stoked for this movie. Doctor Strange is not a character that I read hardcore in the comics, but anytime you get someone on screen looking like he stepped right off the comic book page, I'm all for it. And yeah. man, just the, I mean, just the shot of him doing his hands and using the magic. Oh, yep. Yep. Harry Potter ain't got nothing on him. Well, he doesn't need no wand. He don't yeah. need no wand. Doctor, yeah. <laughs> he it doesn't just, need- I, look, it looked so cool. I love that each of these movies is kind of having its own tone, its right. own feel. Right. Um, so you bring on a horror director to do this. I just, I'm super psyched for this. Well, and, you know, obviously it's just a teaser, so it doesn't give us too much information as to where we're going to go with this thing. But yeah. uh, but the tone is is a different tone than what we're used to from these Marvel movies. Yeah. So I and th- I think Benedict Cumberbatch looks great in it. He looks like Doctor Strange for crying yeah. out loud. I mean, I know people are some people are feeling a little burned out on him, but you know, I think it's a, a smart choice. The uh, the cape, dude. Yeah, the cape is cool. Ugh, that thing is just to me. It's like that was one of the things you had to get right. He had to. It's get, a difficult cape to pull off. Right, too. right, because it's not just a Superman thing or a Batman thing where or um or a Hyperion thing to go to the Marvel universe. It or a Vision thing where it just kind of has to hang there and flow out behind you. This this cape is active and moving. You know, it's part of what causes him to levitate and that sort of thing. So. Uh, yeah, I was really impressed with how well they got that. Yeah, I'm so, excited. November, yeah. it's November, right, that it comes out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can't get here fast enough. No, not at all, not at all. Looking forward to it. Um, and and listen, even the even the missteps by Marvel for me have been things that I've just enjoyed watching. Like I, the other day I, had, I put on Age of Ultron not expecting to get sucked in, and I did. Uh, you know. It's Age of Ultron's been... You know, on stars like the last couple months, and you know, I, I, I've watched it numerous times. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. It's like it's not a great movie. It's not the best Marvel yeah. movie at all. It's a great. I mean, I think it's a good movie, but it's not the best Marvel movie at all. But it still just sucks me in because it's got these characters I know and love all on screen together. Yeah. Well, and Ant Man now just oh, hit gosh. stars. Oh so yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was watching pieces of that the other day, and just. You know the whole the whole scene where they send him in to steal the thing from the hangar, mm-hmm. and you know he comes he comes out of the plane and he's on Antony, he's got his little <laughs> fleet of of ants with him, yeah. And the clouds part, and you realize that it's the New Avengers headquarters. Yes, yeah. And you're just like what? Yeah. And then he has that awesome fight with uh, with Falcon. It was cool, so cool, dude. Yeah, it was cool. It was just like. It's what you want to see from these things, I think. Yep. It, it's what, you know, Ant-Man was cool because it was a heist movie. You know, as much as it was a superhero movie. And it's just and it just goes to show you what that what they're doing over there is is they don't get too formulaic with what they're doing. I think it's the same thing we're going to see like with Suicide Squad. I think that's where Warner Brothers and DC are really going to show this is how varied we're going to be with our properties because I think Suicide Squad has a lot of good buzz going into it. 
Um, it's got, it seems to have the humor that everyone has missed from the other movies. And, you know, it, it's, it's got an, it's, it's something that Marvel hasn't done yet as far as like, here are villains front and center. And, you know, and, and the one thing Marvel's had a weakness in doing, and, and this is one of the things that's going to be interesting, especially with a villain like what they've got with Doctor Strange. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can make another villain that people kind of latch onto because the weakness for most of these Marvel movies for a lot of people have been the villain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, dude, I just, I'm looking forward to the, the, the last two suicide squad trailers have been good, but it's not hard to put trailers together when you're using Bohemian Rhapsody That's and true. ballroom blitz That's true. <laughs> as your music for it. And both songs fit perfectly to the theme and everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost too easy. So well, while I mean, I'm excited to see it, I'm still a little hesitant just yeah. because it's DC yeah. and because you pulled the low-hanging fruit to do those two trailers. Well, But Margot Robbie, I think, is going to absolutely steal Suicide Squad. She looks fantastic mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. as uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. I think Will Smith just completely miscast. You don't need Will Smith in this movie. Yeah, it's, shot. it's an interesting choice, and it's you know I the thing is is I like Will Smith. Um, I used to like Will Smith. Well, it's just that he's made some interesting choices the past few years, hasn't he? He's made some poor choices We're, the last few. Years. I just like to use the word interesting, Eric, to not be too critical. I, I like to keep it honest. <laughs> the, and, you, look, you, you know the studio's like we need a big name to headline this. No, yeah. you don't. Well, you got Jared Leto for crying out loud. If he's, I mean, depending on how much he's in there, but but you you didn't need Will Smith in this. Right. You could have cast like anybody else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely opening weekend. I'm going to be there. Yeah, I mean, so, I will too. That's the thing. I mean, I'm my butt's going to be in a seat. So, so the other piece of Marvel news was mm-hmm. uh, they talked this week that uh, Inhumans is going to get delayed. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that's really a surprise. There's sort of been rumors floating around. You know, all of a sudden, Inhumans are the driving force behind uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Um, but what I found interesting about why it's getting delayed is because of what's happened after they announced this big Phase 3 slate. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the success of Ant-Man, so now they're doing Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. They, yes. They did the deal with Sony, and so now we've got uh, Spider-Man, uh, a Marvel Universe Spider-Man movie oh, coming next year. Yes. But also interesting, Indiana Jones 5. That, yeah, that could have something to do with it, and, couldn't and it? This is, well, they said this was one of the reasons why, that... The the Indiana Jones five claimed the weekend slot that they had one of the Marvel movies was sitting on. Mm-hmm. So that Marvel movie is gonna have to move. And this is you know, this was when 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 Disney purchased Lucasfilm and announced the Star Wars movies and then the the along with all the Marvel movies and their own movies, like to me the real interesting thing was how is this big juggling act going to work for them. Right. Because it's easy to just, oh yeah, we're doing a Star Wars movie a year. We're doing two Marvel movies a year. 
doing one or two Pixar movies a year. But when you put them all together in the same hat, you can't have them all coming out on top of each other. You know, you got to figure out a way to spread them through the year, but still target those key movie going months that you want hit in a year. Well, you know, we and saw it's almost an embarrassment of riches for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I watched The Good Dinosaur the other week. And, and I have yet to see it. It's next on my Netflix. It's, it's a good movie. It's a, it's a good, good little movie. There's, you know, it's not. It doesn't have the emotional punch that like an Inside Out does, but I know you hate it Inside Out. And uh, but I liked it. I thought I didn't it was hate it. I just didn't get it. It was cute. It was. It's a neat take on the whole dinosaur thing. It's like a western with dinosaurs, kind of. I like that. Um, and I think it suffered because of two Pixar movies in a year. I think that you know because Inside Out was so big. And and so successful, and then you had Disney really pumping up its other properties, the the Star Wars, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think Good Dinosaur got lost in the mix. Okay, and so I think that I think you're right in in as much as, um, it's a it's it's a weird balancing act they got to do over there. Yeah, so because it's not just about the movie coming out. Mm-hmm. It's about all the merchandising and marketing that goes into each movie. You know, you got your Coke or Pepsi Star Wars cans on the shelf. Right. And then, you know, so they need like four weeks on the store shelves before you can switch them over and have the Avengers Coke cans on the shelf. Right. Yeah. So it's just this, it's this big ginormous Jenga puzzle that they have of fitting all this stuff in there now. And to me, it's just really fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's in, in watching it so closely as we do, because, you know, for me, the properties they have with the Marvel and with the star Wars, and now with the Indiana Jones, I end up watching these things more closely than I ever would have because it is all under the same roof and they are having to position these pieces that way. Well, and now they're adding live action Disney in there too. That's true. Yeah. You know, Jungle Book, which we'll get to in a few minutes, but you know, last year we had Cinderella, there's Beauty and the Beast coming up, there's another Pirates of the Caribbean coming. You know, so you add this on top of the Pixar movies and the, the regular Disney animated movies. You know, we just had Zootopia still cleaning up at the box office. Right. Right. So it's just it's very interesting to watch how this all comes about. Irish, was it you we were talking to that said you you don't want to see an incredible sequel? No. Okay. I can't wait to see an incredible okay, good. sequel. Good. I I thought so. Okay. Cuz I love that movie. I will see anything Brad Bird puts his hands on. I that agreed. Where I, is my super suit? Honey, where why do you need it? <laughs> I love that movie. It's so good. The the so much fun. The throwback feel that it has. Um, I mean, it's essentially the Fantastic Four done well. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, well, Eric, let's get into some of these. Yeah, a- let's talk about some movies here. Let's get into some of these things. Uh, everybody wants some. Everybody wants some. It opened. Did it open this past Friday? Some too. Uh, it opened like the first of April. Okay. 
Now, yeah. this is a like midnight special. Mm-hmm. This is another one that, you know, it's only playing in a few theaters and they're going to slowly kind of platform and grow it out around the country. Right. As it goes. This is uh, this was one of the my five must see movies for the year uh, that back in January when we recorded that show with Ethan. Um, look, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Days of Confused. Sure. Absolutely love that movie. Music, sure. everything about it. I love it. This is Richard Linklater's next movie after uh, Boy's Life. And this is the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. Not the same characters, not the same actors. It's about uh, a college baseball team in the 80s. Oh, nice. Um, and it just it looks great. It has that same kind of vibe that Dazed and Confused had. I guess Adam Sandler got there first with doing the 80s as a period piece with The Wedding Singer, but it's so weird. Yeah, but Adam, and look, I love The Wedding Singer, but like, you know, he played it up for all the cheese. I know, I know. I was joking, but I, I, it's just weird to think of the 80s being a period piece. This, it, it is you weird, know. but it's, uh, you know, 30 years. I know, I know. Um, yeah, I, I can't, it, look, this movie's not playing anywhere near me right now, but I can't wait to see this. Everybody wants some. Everybody wants some. It's also interesting. Last month we talked about the old, uh, the old midnight special. <laughs> um, and it, I had a lot of people tweeting me afterwards. Oh about yeah, the midnight special song <laughs> and uh, and the uh, Twilight Zone movie. Nice, nice. Um. This uh, this thing earned thirty eight thousand dollars per screen in five theaters in March. The weekend that it opened, uh, a hundred and ninety thousand dollars in only five theaters. Yeah. Um, and now they're expanding to like fifty five screens. Yeah, April first it opened up on more screens. It it opened up in uh, oh, word what do I um. Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. It's Boston, Philadelphia, Atlanta, D.C., San Francisco, Dallas, Chicago, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Um, and then it's going to continue each weekend. It's going to continue to open a little bit wider. It's going to hit more cities. So on April 8th, it hit a few more. This coming weekend, it's going to hit more. The following weekend, it's going to hit more. Um, it's still getting really good word of mouth i still have yet to see it i can't wait to see this i'm almost at the point of desperate to see it yeah i dude when just watching that trailer i'm like this movie's right up my alley if for no yeah. other reason than than the way it just made me feel like i was watching a a classic spielberg kind of here thing. here we go back to the set. 80s yeah you know? exactly. it's got that 80s kind of spielbergian feel to it yeah so and I don't. Michael Shannon's just fantastic in almost everything he's in. I don't know that it's going to open anywhere near me where I can see it, but the minute it's available on demand. Hey man, if um, it's playing at Downtown Disney. Oh yeah. Weekend, go see it. I forgot. I'll be down that way. That's true. Go see it. Yes, I may just do that. Um, Take a bunch of uh, Goldiverse kids with you, and I'll be like, "Let the midnight special." So, moving on this month, uh, already released in theaters on April 8th, Hardcore Henry. What is this thing? All right. 
it's getting horrible reviews. Yeah. But the reason why I put this movie on the list is this movie is shot entirely from a first-person point of view. It's this big action spectacle, you know, kind of like a Jason Statham Mm -hmm. sort of vehicle, you know, guy jumping all over, Jason Bourne kind of thing, Mm -hmm. except that you're watching it from like that Jason Statham or Jason Bourne's point of view. So you never see the main character. Right. You're the main character. Oh, wow. Running through this whole thing. So it, it it's basically like a lot of the video games. Right, like a first-person shooter. Things like that. Um, so it's more that this is the first widely released movie to do something like this than it is. This, the story is kind of, from reviews I've read, you know, a little chopped together and there's questions that don't get answered in the end and stuff, but it's, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if this works because obviously if it works, we're going to see more of it. Right. And you know, it, how I haven't watched the trailer. Um, how different is it from like the handheld camera genre? It's, it's basically like, you know, like you see the GoPro videos of like the guys skiing down the mountain or surfing or whatever. It's that, but picture that, that surfer guy Mm -hmm. as Jason Bourne in an action movie. Yeah. Like that's what you're looking at. So he's like climbing a rope ladder to a helicopter as like a truck underneath him explodes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, imagine the GoPro camera on his forehead, and that's the view of everything that you're getting. Oh, yeah. I can't. I don't think I could sit in a theater and watch this. Yeah, there's some, you know, people having issues with, like, the the shaky cam kind of thing. I'm watching the trailer right now, and it looks like it's just an excuse to do things from that first-person perspective. Because, like, there's one point where he's rappelling down the side of a building. There is the... uh, Yep. Oh, and here comes the gun angle where he's like, I mean, it is a, it's a video game. Like he's mm-hmm. holding the gun out at angles that I don't know that you normally would. And it looked just like for a minute there, just like a video game. So, but you know, it, look, it could wind up working. The, yeah. uh, you know, you've got uh, the audience for this kind of movie is the same audience that is at home playing Battlefront or Gears of War right. or, you know, those first person shooter games. Mm-hmm. So, this could be right up their alley. We'll see. Hardcore Henry. It even sounds like a bad video game. Yeah. The title does. So, uh, Also released last week, and I don't know how this is doing, uh, but Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Bell in The Boss. Now, Eris, the pictures I've seen from this give me a real Troop Beverly Hills vibe. A little bit. Melissa McCarthy plays the most successful businesswoman in America and... She goes to jail for like insider trading or something like that, and she gets out of jail. And as part of her parole, I believe that she goes to live with her assistant, who is who is played by um, Kristen Bell. And Kristen's daughters are in this sort of pseudo Girl Scouts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't call them Girl Scouts for legal reasons, right? Um, and Melissa McCarthy being the businesswoman that she is, she is like, oh, wow, this is just like free labor. <laughs> and, you know, tries to take over and put these girls to work to rebuild her fortune. Right. Well, so it it's, just, 
<clears throat> from the reviews I've read, which have been middle of the road, mm-hmm. it's it's basically all the same shtick that we've gotten in like the last four Melissa McCarthy R-rated comedies. Did you see The Spy? What was that one called? Was I did. Spy? I think it was just called Spy. Yeah. There was some funny bits. There was some funny bits, but overall, I thought it was a really good movie, and I thought it was interesting that she wasn't played as the idiot. No. Like, she was a competent individual, you know. She was bumbling at times. At times. But by and large, she was was competent in what she was doing the whole time. She had her her slapstick moments with the moped and stuff. Uh, my favorite bit was the Italian guys like whistling at the girls and then they go silent as they go by her. Yeah, that was a. I found that really. Of course, funny. that was in the trailer. I just watched that the other day and I was like, "Well, this isn't too bad." It was, you know, it wasn't funny, but it also didn't seem like she was necessarily going for too many big laughs. That it was more or less she was bumbling at times, but generally she was competent in what she was doing and the, yeah. and the funny stuff was happening. Like Jason Statham. Was it him? Yes. Yeah. He played for more laughs than she did. Yep. You know. He does really well poking fun at himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's got a, a cell phone commercial out right now where he plays like every part in the commercial. Oh, yeah? I and, seen you know, that. some of them are women and stuff. They just like digitally impose his face onto everybody. And it's parts of it are played for laughs. Hmm. So he's got that talent about himself. But, yeah, Spy was, there was some good stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Melissa McCarthy is more talented than sometimes people give her credit for. Uh, But she's always a home run when she's host Saturday Night Live. Yeah, the woman is funny. Yeah, yeah, and so and I am still looking forward to Ghostbusters. Yes, um, coming out uh, this weekend at the time of recording, Green Room. Now, did you watch the trailer for this? I have not. I just know that. Why do what? I go through all the effort? I'm sorry, Eris, because I just don't have time sometimes to watch all these trailers. I know, I did. All right, so but here's in, the hook on this. But one of my favorite names of a person is in this movie. And what is that? Uh, Imogen Poots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the hook on this is that Patrick Stewart plays a really evil neo-Nazi bad guy. Oh. Really? So... Basically, the story on this is uh, it's a down-on-their-luck. Here, I'll just read the description. Do you want to read the description? I, I will. I sure okay. will. <clears throat> a down-on-their-luck... A down-on... Harder to say than you might think when you put those two words together. A down-on-their-luck punk band accept an offer to play a rural organ club before calling their failing tour quits. When they arrive at the venue, they're troubled by the large neo-Nazi presence, but go through with their set regardless. After playing, they retreat to the backstage room only to be greeted by a young girl down the floor with the neo-Nazi gang members standing above her. Fearful that the band will contact the authorities, they're held hostage in the green room as the gang's leader, Patrick Stewart, thinks of a solution to their sticky situation. The band is soon fighting for their life to survive and escape the dangerous compound. I want that punk band. Number one, bring me the band. (laughs) Make it so. Make it so. Engage. So it kind of feels like an Eli Roth sort of uh, joint. Okay. Um, you know, with 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 Patrick Stewart as mm-hmm. this horrible, evil bad guy, and it's played some uh, it's played some festivals and stuff, and you know, is just kind of people who are into this kind of thing are really digging it. Yeah, it's got a real. I get, are they kind of held up in the venue? Is that where they're trying to escape from? Yeah. 
Because yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm just watching the trailer right now, and it, everything seems, once they get to that point in the trailer, it seems very claustrophobic, like they're all in the same place. Well, I think it looks like that the band kind of barricades themselves into one of the rooms mm-hmm. to keep the, the Nazis away. And so then it, it takes on a little bit of the panic room kind of vibe. Right. You know, where the guys are trying to get in and, you know, they start uh, just messing with their heads and everything. And, you know, there's uh, uh, somewhere along the line, I think some girls get in the room with the band, too. And it's just, you know, tension escalates throughout. And Stewart's got the full beard rocking. Yeah. So also, I didn't realize this was coming out this weekend. This is so soon. The Jungle Book, man. Yep. Wow. Now, Eric, I'm going to tell you, I've not been one of these people who have been like, as they've announced all these different live-action Disney movies coming out, you know, just basically redoing some of their classics in live-action. I haven't been a big fan of the idea, but everything I've seen about this movie, I'm like, I'll be there for this. Mm-hmm. I'm there. Uh, did you see the little boy who's playing Mowgli and uh, Bill Murray seeing The Bare Necessities on, I forget what they were on, maybe it was Kimmel. No, I haven't seen that. It was a cute little moment, man. Because Bill Murray's like, oh, we didn't prepare anything. We didn't prepare anything. The band hits. He's like, look for the band. Uh, it was just classic Bill Murray. Mowgli, I want your fire. <laughs> you got to have you and uh, my Mile High Tundra partner, Joe, do a uh, walking off. Well, that's all I can do. I have to, I have to really zone in for a minute uh, on some things. Joe is... Brilliant. He can do whole monologues yeah, I can't, of Vulcan material. I can't go there. All I can do, I, I try to work with Mowgli. His particular favorite is the one from, uh, what's that horrible David Spade movie? Dirt, uh, Joe Dirt? Joe Dirt, which yeah. is Which is celebrating an anniversary this year, this month, but I just chose not to stick it in there. Because <laughs> I'm like, Eric will totally make fun of me if Good I say Joe Dirt. Good thing it's that hot chili day. <laughs> That movie is one of my brother-in-law's favorite movies of all time. So, uh, and Joe does the whole Christopher Walken speech when nice. he's like talking to himself in the reflection in the school hallway. <laughs> nice. Tell me, does she sew? <laughs> I just so. I, I when when he when he played Hook on the Peter Pan live-action musical, I was we were I, talking about on Disney Vault talking. I'm like Pan. Pan, what are you doing here? And then it just went from there. And then it was like, Mowgli, I want your fire. I got a fever. <laughs> I, Dude, I just, I mean, I really have been blown away with the look of this movie, with the, the incredible voice cast that they've got. The voice got, cast you know? is fantastic. Um, and, and this little boy is basically playing against all green screen and mocap stuff. Yeah. So it's it's going to be it's John Favreau though, and they're and, already fast tracking the second one. Of course they are. It's got such good buzz behind. Yep, yep. And they want it. From what I was reading today, you know, they got to do it before the kid gets too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I can't wait to see this. I'm going to see this with my nephews. You're standing there in your diapers, <laughs> and you won't give me a via. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> the hit Christopher Walken, everybody. Uh, moving right along to next week, April 22nd, A Hologram for the King. Tom Hanks, man. This was one that, honestly, I was clueless about this movie. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm scrolling through all the April stuff, and I'm like, what is this hologram for the king? And then I see Tom Hanks' name. I'm like, I got to watch the trailer for this. Yeah. And just blown away. I can't wait to see this movie. It's classic Hanks stuff. I just, I'm so excited for this. Well, it's kind of, do you call it historical fiction? Um, Is it, is it biographical? Is it? It's based, no, it's, it's fiction. Okay. It's, um, it's based on a Dave Eggers book called The Hologram for the King. Mm -hmm. Um, and Hanks plays an American, um, in, uh, I believe it's Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to make, he's trying to make a buck. Right. Pay for his daughter's tuition. And so it's the little bit of the, uh, stranger in a strange land, it's a little bit of the guy's life hasn't gone the way he hoped it would go, and is he going to find redemption or find a new path sort of thing. Um, it looks like it's got a bit of a romance to it. Um, it just looks fun and quirky and sweet, and I was really impressed by the trailer. Well, you know... And the we've... book was a bestseller. Okay. Well, we've put Tom Hanks over... Countless yeah. times on this show, we you know everyone knows our love for Tom Hanks. Yes, he's solid. And, uh, we're just waiting for him to show up in one of these Marvel movies. Oh, uh, <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm trying to think who would who should Tom Tom Hanks would be great as uh, like Elastic Man or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. You know, or in the DC universe, Plastic, plastic Man. Yeah. yeah. What is he in the Marvel Universe? Elongated Man? Uh, elong- no, Elongated Man's also in the DC Universe. I mean, Mr. Fantastic is the yeah. is their stretchy guy. Um, he w- What they need to do is do a Great Lakes Avengers with Tom Hanks and a couple other people. Yeah. Uh, Great Lakes Avengers. Google it, gang. Google it. Google Great Lakes Avengers. I would love to see Hanks in a Marvel movie. I, think it, I, I mean, obviously, they'd probably cast him as some type of businessman or something. Um, or oh, see, that's... See, I don't think so. You don't think? I think I think they go back to old. If they were, if you're going to put Tom Hanks in a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. you go back to the old school Hanks, like the the Dragnet, the 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 movie with Turner and Hooch. Oh big, yeah, yeah. Like you know, where there's a little bit of playfulness to him, where there's uh, he's a little bit wacky. The Saturday Night Live Hanks. You know, I think that that's what you go for. Not the Oscar winning. What it. about how about what about this though? What if, um, what? If, why are we talking this? I just love it. Uh, because it's Tom Hanks. What if they were able to get the rights back to Fantastic Four? Tom Hanks as Reed Richards. Yes, 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 yes. I'm all over that. Because when you said when I said Mr. Fantastic, I'm like he doesn't. He's the only stretchy guy. And then I thought, but Tom Hanks could do Reed Richards. Fantastic as that. Oh. Hologram for the King. I'm there. I'll, I'd love to see this thing. It's a limited release, though, huh? Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch of limited yeah, releases. Yeah, you people in your limited there. releases. This next one's really that's interesting. What, that's what On Demand and that's what Netflix is for, that's baby. That's true. Uh, dude, this one is one that has got me. Elvis and Nixon. Playing, playing a very much. Uh, Michael Shannon. As Elvis. As Elvis. And Kevin Spacey as Richard Nixon? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Screw you, take my money. Did you watch the trailer for this one? Uh, no, but I'm about to. Watch the trailer. Of all the famous images preserved in our national archives, 
the most requested photo of all time is this one. It's Elvis meeting. You remember Nixon. when you talked about finding an ally for Nixon? Someone from the outside. I need to get this letter to the president. You'll never guess in a million years who just showed up at the Northwest Gate as you see him. It's Elvis. Elvis Presley. You swear this isn't a joke, because this penmanship is horrible. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you think we should meet with him? Yes, Mr. President. During my nap hour. Everybody loves Elvis. Come on. He could really help us with the youth folk. He would also like a badge. A what? I would like to go undercover as a federal agent. I've been in 31 major motion pictures. That makes me an expert in costume and disguise. I could infiltrate the communists, and then I'd bust them all. Let's do this thing. An undercover rock and roller. Sounds ludicrous. I can supply my own firearms. All right, what do we have on this guy? Well, he's one of the most famous men on the planet. Loves guns, hates the Beatles. The Beatles, well, I don't like them. Okay, sir, do you have any firearms or weapons of any kind on your person? It's a good thing they didn't catch this little fella in my boot. Mr. Presley, we're going to have to go over the protocols. Mr. President, Mr. Elvis Presley, on the coffee table is a dish with M&M's. Those are only for the president. M&M's are my favorite. Mine, too. There is also an unopened bottle of Dr. Pepper. You have a bottle opener? Please do not open it. Please do not drink from it, because it's only for the president. Of course he does all that. What in the good God is going on? I don't know, sir. What, what in the big God is going on? picture Mr. Presley and me. Go on, man, do it. You and me. Rose from nothing, but look where I am today. Look where you are. That's how I learned to develop these knuckles of steel. Now slap them. Come on, harder, harder. Let it out. Let it out. Those are the steel claws of a tiger, Mr. President. That's wild, man. That, yes, I'm there. Doesn't that look good? Yes, looks hilarious. Well, and the whole time, Elvis has got like the black jump jumpsuit on with the sequins and the big belt and stuff. It's just, oh, it looks so good. It does, and dude, I, you know, and and they're going of, they're not doing impersonations. No, I mean, they're, they're kind just... of doing it. I mean, they're playing the characters, and you can tell they're playing the characters, but they're not doing like, you know, he does say thank you, thank you, but he doesn't go, thank you, thank you very much. Like, he yeah. doesn't get in, and, and there's none of this with Kevin Spacey. It's just like, we're just going to do these roles and just play it. That looks great. Oh, all right. Well, those first two are winners for the week of April 22nd. And then there's this. The Huntsman, Winner's War. The the movie that wasn't screaming for a sequel got one? Uh, it got a prequel. Okay. All right. Just like the new Star Wars prequel that's coming out in December. Yep. So uh, Charlize Theron is back as the evil queen. Um, and she's brought her sister along, the mm-hmm. Freya the Ice Queen, played by Emily Blunt. And uh, the two mm. of them naturally are at odds with each other yes. in this. And uh, Chris Hemsworth's back as the Huntsman. Yeah, he is. And uh, and he's got his secret lover, Sarah, played by Jessica Chastain. Sarah. And, uh, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
and the two of them uh, are trying to stop the the evil siblings' plans to conquer the enchanted forest in this inventive twist on the Snow White fable. All right. Well, there that is. So, basically, if you like the first Huntsman movie, you know, this is made for I you. didn't know that that made enough money to do another one, to be honest with you. I think that they had always intended it to be more than one movie. Okay. Um, so, and I think it did moderately well. Mm-hmm. All right. So, well. look, you got Hemsworth and Emily Blunt and Charlize Theron in this, like all big stars, Jessica Chastain, big up and coming star. I think it's, it's those actors that they're banking on to, to drive this. Yeah, well, uh, and they probably will. I've I've already seen someone talking about it uh, the other day. Someone was like, "Oh, I'm going to go see this," and I'm like, "I didn't even realize there was another one coming out." So, uh, April 29th. Now this has my interest peaked because these guys are hilarious, um, and I like the way that you. I don't know if you did this intentionally in the in the in the notes or not, but I'm going to read the notes as written. Keanu is the name of the movie. Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele star in this comedy as two friends posing as drug dealers to get back a stolen cat. Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele star in this comedy as two friends posing as drug dealers to get back a stolen cat. (laughs) I feel like the sentence is there twice just to drive home how good this movie could potentially be. So, uh, uh, I think it's Jordan Peele his character like breaks up with his girlfriend or wife or whatever. And he gets this little kitten that he names Keanu (laughs) to kind of help him heal from the loss. Obviously after Keanu Reeves and Keanu is taken by a drug gang called, I believe the 17th street blips. Mm. And as they ask Will Forte in, in the trailer, they're like, well, where can we find them? And Will Forte says, 17th Street blips on 17th Street. <laughs> um, so basically, Key and Peele got to go kind of undercover to get their cat back. Oh, wow. And hilarity ensues. Yeah. Listen, these guys are funny. And the and, trailer is hysterical. Key and Peele are hilarious guys anyway. And <clears throat> when, like, their their sketch show was just one of the greatest things on TV. Yeah. And um, right down from the, from the, uh, from the East-West game, college game, to the, uh, to the substitute <laughs> teacher. So good. Such good stuff. Um I, if I can make it, I'll probably go see that. I think that'd be funny. This looks really yeah. funny. Um, yeah. Now you also mentioned here, and, and it's and, and we need to mention it because a good friend of the show, James yes. Arnold Taylor, is the starring voice of this. Ratchet and Clank open on uh, April 29th as well, and uh, James Arnold Taylor, of course, has always been the voice for the longest time of Ratchet in, in the video games and now in this movie. So we want to support James and. Um, this is a this is a big deal. Uh, a lot of times in these animated films like this, the uh, you know our our voice actors that we know from from a lot of the shows we love get relegated to bit parts or background voices here and there. You know, well here's one of these guys playing the lead, 
in a in a big movie hitting the big screen. So um, I just want it looks everybody... epic too. Yeah, the, I just... the trailer is just wham huge. Yeah, I just want to encourage everyone to go out and if you got time, go see it to support James Arnold Taylor and then tweet him when you go. Tweet him and tell him that I told you to go. Yes. So, um, yeah. So that'll be the thing to do. So. So that's it for. I mean, there's you know a few other things yeah. opening here or there, but these are the kind of things that I thought that the Goliverse audience. Yeah, would be man. I tell you, those two movies that are coming next week, the uh, Hologram for the King and Elvis and Nixon, those are ones that I can't wait to hit on demand. Yeah. Because those will be so. They just look like they're going to be so good to watch there are a couple of anniversary movies Eric, that i felt like were worth mentioning uh that came out in april uh in 1976 40 years ago this month Eric, the bad news bears hit theaters and i just watched this movie last year with my nephews the original yes the original because they're you know all of them playing little league and stuff mm-hmm. so we watched it together it's just, I just love, there's no way you could make that no. that same movie today. No, 40 Couldn't years later, this movie's not getting made. Not no. not like that. Yeah. I mean, they're drinking and smoking and just swearing and just all the stuff that they're doing. And he's, I mean, they did the, the cheesy remake with, uh, with Billy Bob Thornton in the Walter Matthau role mm-hmm. a few years, about five, ten years ago, but... Yeah, this movie still holds up. Right. Yeah, and uh, it's and it's neat because it's one of those things where they don't win, guys. Spoiler alert: <laughs> they don't win. And the other team comes over and they like try to give them the trophies. They're like, "You're okay by us." And then they just start. and they tell them the f off. Well, that's right. <laughs> like oh. little little six year old pipsqueak is like, "F yeah!" And they start like pouring beer on them and stuff. Right. Oh, into that piece of music. Young Jackie Earl Haley. Yes. 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 And uh, Tatum O'Neill. Yep. And Walter Matthau. Wow. Just yeah, of course, brilliant. Walter Matthau. So that's 40 years ago. 35 years ago in April of 1981, uh, Excalibur was released. I don't know how you feel about the Excalibur. I've never seen it. This is, uh, I've seen it once, and it's one of those movies that I, when I saw it, I was like, this is a movie that should have been a part of my life forever. Um, it's the Arthurian legend. It's told very 80s style. Um, it's weird. It's, it's fun. I don't know that fun's the right word. It's weird. It's dark. It's got some grit to it. Um, but it's just, it's one of those movies that when you start watching, because it's weird, because the visual of like Merlin with his little silver hat, a chrome dome hat, it's just so strange. It's like you can't stop watching. It's in the vein of a Conan the Barbarian, um, and that sort of thing, you know, that, that same type of feel to it. Uh, and, and for, and for some of us, you know, Arthurian legend lovers, it's become kind of a classic. Uh, also... April of 1981, 35 years ago, Jason rose from the dead and began his killing ways in Friday the 13th, Part 2. Mm. I've never watched any of these movies. Yeah. I, I don't, I've never seen any of the earlier ones, which is weird. It's like I saw all the later ones that are terrible, um, which, you know, none of them are great, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, this is just, it's worth mentioning because, spoiler alert, 
Jason wasn't the killer in the first one. Yeah, um, it was his mom. Right? It was his mom, and Jason didn't become the killer until part two. So, I think I did see. I think I saw part ten, which was the one where they were on the space. Yeah, station. that's Jason in space. Yeah, Jason yeah. X. Yeah, that was just garbage. Yeah, and then Freddy and Jason, Freddy versus Jason was just everything we always wanted to see in the eighties, and um, the template for BVS. I guess so, but in a way, and and really, it kind of opened the door for like your Aliens versus Predator, but it delivered more. Those two properties, Jason versus Freddy, delivered I think better than what Aliens versus Predator did. It was just a you know because you didn't really know who to root for. You kind of end up rooting for Jason a little bit, but you're also like, which he can't stay alive. And um, but Freddy, I guess, is worse than Jason because Jason is a victim of circumstance. Anyhow. But 35 years ago this month, Friday the 13th, Part 2. And then 30 years ago this month, um, a movie called Critters was released. Now, Critters is not that notable, except that it was always on the the, re- the rental shelf. I remember looking at it again yeah. and again and again as a kid when we were doing movie rentals. But it was kind of a Gremlins knockoff. Um, it had more sequels than Gremlins. But it it was because it costs like five bucks. To that's make. right. Well, this and there was another movie called Ghoulies, yeah, that were a little bit more horror slanted than the Gremlins ended up being, and and they just tried to play off of that the po- I guess the popularity of little critters that want to heal that want to kill somebody, or or cause mayhem, and and they made critters. I think critters are more of a space age kind of thing. They were from they're from space. I never saw it. I just when I've I see, never seen it. I know it. I can picture I, the the box, the video store yes. box. I, I like, and it brings up little smells with little sharp teeth. Yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like a porcupine on two legs. Yeah. Um, but also, in April, thirty years ago, Legend with Tom Cruise was released, and this is one of those movies that I don't know if I should consider it a guilty pleasure or not, but I just like it. The, Look, you watch this movie for one reason only. What's that? Tim Curry as, as the devil. The devil. Yeah. Just freaking amazing. That makeup. That costume was amazing. Yeah. His performance was amazing. Just, oh, so cool. And you know what? If you want to see a young Tom Cruise dressed up as Link from Legend of Zelda, this yeah. is your movie. Check it out. Yeah. So. And Mia Sarah, I think, was in that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if I remember correctly, Ridley Scott directed that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Sure it's Ridley Scott that directed it. I didn't know that. I love uh, Doc Zen says, don't you diss my critters. Every, <laughs> everyone's getting one-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at this point, Mile High Tundra will take any reviews we can get. So. Yeah, well, here's what we need to do. We need to bring that up as we kind of close out, man. Mile High. Hey, we forgot to do something. What's that? You forgot your Patreon supporter. Well, listen, I sure did, and I apologize for that. Of course, we appreciate you guys and your support through Patreon. You can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Our featured supporter for this episode has been Michael Nip. Given the enviable power of flight, Michael High Nip strikes injustice from the air. I am the Michael who says nip. Nip. Uh, so yeah, but no, let's talk Mile High Tundra, man. You guys... Well, and part of the reason that I was, uh... Reminding you of this is that Michael was tweeting with Mile High Tundra today. Nice. I believe that him and Rod were uh, 
possibly the first two guys to listen to the new podcast. Well, it's good so, stuff. And Joe, very excited about that. You guys, you guys know what you're talking about. And Joe's got a voice, man, just smooth as butter. So if you guys don't know, uh, my friend uh, Joe Scalora and I, Joe is a uh, huge Packers fan, shareholder for the Packers. I'm a lifelong Broncos fan. We are doing a football pad- podcast on the Gulliverse called Mile High Tundra, Broncos and Packers talk. Um, we're total fanboys, and we've got a very biased take on the rest of the league. So, <laughs> um, Our first episode is, uh, is now up on uh, the Geek Out Loud website, and it should be up on iTunes in a few days. And we've got a couple more episodes coming out, hopefully before the draft in a few weeks. So a lot of exciting stuff to talk about if you're a football fan. Oh, is the draft coming up soon? Yes, end of the month. Didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't know that at all. Um, Hopefully I'll get a nice nice draft pick for my birthday. Well, maybe. Now, when is your birthday? April 28th. I hear you, man. Happy birthday. Thanks, brother. Jeez, I didn't realize that. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do my bit on this show with you that I do that I've done with Dave Jones on Mark Out Loud for the past few years, where I forget his birthday and have to cop to it. April twenty eighth. Age where I'm happy if people forget it. So. I understand. We'll send tweets and and love is appropriate, guys. On April twenty eighth for old Irish. Happy birthday month to you, sir. It's always good Thank podcasting you. with you, even though, man, we got to pull up out of this negativity, apparently, sir. Well, we got Cap- We got Jungle Book coming out. We got Captain America coming out. We got a lot of good stuff coming out. So I think it's going to be a very joyous summer. As do I. As do I. There's a lot of great TV still out there. I didn't ask you. Have you watched the Daredevil season two? I have. What'd you think? Uh, I look. I liked it. Right. It's Daredevil. It has its flaws. Mm-hmm. I think it would be better as like a 10 episode season i felt the same way about the first season i think it's too long yeah um i'm a big daredevil fan but i never liked the ninja nonsense so okay all right so they got into that and that's not your favorite but the uh the punisher stuff was great just the stuff with daredevil was great i thought Foggy stole the whole the whole series. I agree. I agree. I think that I think that was great. And I also there's something, Eric. I've got to do real quick. I'm sorry to stop the ending. Uh, while we were talking earlier, we were you know we we were getting into all the hate and everything, and you kept saying hate out loud. I'm going to cold play this. Daniel in Indy sent us a uh, hate out loud intro. <laughs> so I don't know what we're about to get here. Had a bad day. You're listening to. I hate you. Hate. I don't even know you, and I hate your gut. Out loud. I hope all the bad things in life happen to you and nobody else but you. I hate you. Had a bad day again. <laughs> Anakin screaming. I love the. the it. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I love the Anakin at the very end. You know what we need to do, like. Whenever we pass the corn, we just got to do like a five-minute hate out loud. Hate out loud and just hate on something. Just get it yeah, out. Just to get it out of the way, and then we'll be positive the rest of the way. Um, M. Dunn because we can't waste a brilliant opener like that. I know. M. Dunn says, hate out loud, where Steve talks about Star Trek and Twilight. Could be. <laughs> Could be. And Star Wars. Steve hates Star Wars now, folks. Yeah. 
Don't let his room with all his toys fool you. It's been, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Yep. <laughs> I love, was it you I sent the picture of the corner to the other you day? Did. You tried to convince me that, no man, I still love it. And I'm like, Dude, you just found that picture somewhere on Google. It's not really your room. It's oh, not your man. house. Man, oh man. Guys, listen, use the Amazon links if you want to support this show's at Geek Out Podcast and geekoutonline.com. Uh, that helps the shows out tremendously. Of course, patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Follow us on Twitter at geekoutloud. Arish is at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. I'm at Steve Glosson. You can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse at Mile High Tundra for Arish and Joe's new, uh, new podcast of the same name, Mile High Tundra. Facebook.com slash geekoutloud is where you go. If you want to interact with us on Facebook, and of course the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. We appreciate all your support, guys. Appreciate you listening. Thanks everyone who joined us in the chat at mixler.com slash goliverse. The people's mixelplex. The people's mixelplex. We appreciate you guys so much. Well, Erish, until next time, brother. Hey, man, have a great time down at Disney this weekend. I'm really bummed I can't be there with all you guys. Hashtag this one's for Erish. Yes. It'll be yes. a lot of me sitting around the pool, brother. Oh, man, I hope you die on stage again. Oh, well, <laughs> that's a, that's and a, I mean that in the best of ways. I appreciate it. I die on stage every time I get on one, my friend. Bad dates. All right. <laughs> for Erish Chernivice, I'm Steve Glosson. Guys, we'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. <laughs>